Welcome to the Furry Thoughts Podcast, where psychology, pop culture, and self meet. What it do, baby booze. It is your girl, Penny Anassi, back at it again. I'm back at it again with another episode. I hope you guys are feeling really, really good on this week's episode. We'll get into part two of Metaverse Bays with Joy Ofodu. I love that episode. Joy is so smart. She's so funny. She's so eloquent. And I just really enjoy talking to her and learning from her. Uh, we barely scratched the surface on part one. So y'all better sh- put your bootstraps on, strap them things up because this episode will be even better. But before that, we're going to get into our updates, you know, in our normal routine. So stay tuned. Okay, so for these updates, I just have a couple of things. Well, first of all, all my friends are turning 30 this year. So the celebrations will be endless. And I kind of told myself, okay, I'm just going to do chill things in my friends' birthdays because that's just, it's going to be a whole weekend or a whole week of traveling or whatever. So yeah, friends turning 30, which it's I can't even comprehend it. So I wonder how they are feeling. If you are turning 30 this year, Right in. I want to read like how are your feet like what does that feel like? Does it feel feel like anything? I feel like the older I get, the better things get. But um, thirty is like a thing, you know. Like when you were younger, you when you looked at thirty year olds, you was like they they grown or they are really grown. But in reality, it's like psych, you know. But yes, yeah, super excited for my friends turning thirty. It's gonna be a great year, and I'm just really really excited. And um, I also want to give some encouraging words to anyone who's fasting and whatnot. I know that people fast during this time of year, for whether it's for 21 days or whatever you're doing, dry July, I mean, not July, dry January, or whether it's spiritual, whatever it is, you're almost done. If there's 10 more days left in the month, or is it 11, whatever. But it's almost over and it's going to be worth it. So I just wanted to put that out there for any listeners who might be fasting right now. So yeah, back to the 30th thing. So yes, I went to Seattle to celebrate one of my friends, my best friend's birthday, actually. And all I want to say is that if you're a traveler or interested in traveling more, I would definitely put Seattle on the map because it's just, I kept saying the place is cute and everyone was like, that's all you got to say. I'm like, no. If I were to describe Seattle, it would be cute. It's the cutest place ever. And it just, I just didn't expect it to be what it was. It was a very chill place, but it was just cute as hell. And I think that when we think about travel, we have in our mind a beach, you know, LA, NYC, Miami, ATL, when we think about traveling in the, you know, in the States or New York. Yeah, you know, New York, the, the basics, or we think going out to Mexico, Jamaica, you know, different things like that, or Europe, you know, there's just things that are staple. But I want to encourage people to like go to to, to some states in the U.S. Um, It wouldn't, you know, it's not an expensive trip. It can be, and it's something quick you can do on the weekend just to get away and like have a change of scenery. I feel like traveling is always a great reset, just that reset of energy. And Seattle is one of those places and I feel like everywhere truly has some, something that's uniquely special to that city or to that state 
that it's just something that I personally would want to experience. I want to see it all. Like I want to see the whole world. I want to like have one of those maps where it's like you put like you've been everywhere and in in America and outside, even goddamn Milwaukee, you know, like random places like that. And I know those places sound like a snooze, but I just encourage going to all those places and not just the party cities and the beaches because it's a lot that's there as well. And I want to try to do that more often personally, which is why I'm telling y'all, join me. Uh, But yeah, it was really refreshing weekend, very chill and just quaint. And I think it's like a really good like vacation, cozy atmosphere there. So next time I go, I really want to like stay. So I finally watched, I've never seen Sleepless in Seattle. It's a cute ass love story. Won't go into the deeds. I'm sure you guys all know what that is. And it's basically, well, let me go into the deeds. It's basically about a guy who is a widower and um, his son calls into a radio station because his dad is kind of sad over, over losing, you know, his mom and like his wife. And he calls in and tells the story. And basically all of these women are like writing him because he was super vulnerable in his story and they want to date this guy. And they live in Seattle and one lady kind of hears a story and she was actually about to get married, but she was kind of getting married to somebody who she felt like she settled for. And she just couldn't get this dude that she heard on the radio off of her, like off of her mind and her heart, like tossing and turning and just going crazy basically because she felt like this connection to this story and this dude that she heard. And she was a writer. So she basically was like, okay, I'm going to go to Seattle and act like she's on a mission for writing or whatever and to interview him. But like basically go and try to meet him and see him. A lot happens in between that. Um, But in the end, so much happens in between them actually getting together, which I think is very much so realistic. It was like, it did, it happened, it it was so close and it didn't happen. And um, you would think that they weren't going to end up together, but in the end they actually did. And it just made for a beautiful, sappy love story. So if you love love stories and haven't seen Sleepless in Seattle, although I feel like everyone watched it but me because I haven't seen so many movies, watch it. But all that to say that in the movie, they stayed on this house that was like on a deck and it was like one of those like deck beach houses, like super cute cottage vibes. And we got on a boat actually when we were out there. I drove a whole boat. I know how to drive a boat, guys. I know how to drive a boat. Now, granted, it was an electric boat, so it didn't go that fast. But I still know some things and I think that I'd be able to drive a boat one day if ever needed, if ever necessary count on me. If we're stranded on an island and all we had was a boat, I would be able to figure it out. Maybe. But yeah, so they stayed on this super cute little deck house and they have Airbnbs that kind of resemble those deck houses. So if I ever go back to Seattle, that's what I'm doing. But yeah, that's all I want to say. When it comes to updates, we're going to get into change and then get into this interview. Okay, so for change, I'm talking Euphoria. And I know y'all are like, now I know she's not talking about that show with where the guy Zendaya strung, strung out. Yes, I am talking about Euphoria for change because hear me out. I know the show is legit insane because it's a bunch of kids doing drugs, having sex, and just wilding out. 
But in reality, it taps into the minds of those high school kids and it lets us know how they ended up as the characters that we see, like as the, how do we call it? Not, I guess, the mess, not even messy, but as these characters that are doing some crazy ass things. And I think shows like this are good because it puts into plain sight things like addictions and just um, like a, addicts don't just become addicts because they just want it to. There's trauma that leads them to that addiction. And bullies aren't just bullies for no reason. There's always a story behind why people are the way they are, whether it's good or bad. And I feel like Euphoria really shows that for that age group. And I think that the show just kind of humanizes people, period, and um, humanizes addicts as well. Because society definitely treats addicts as if they are unhuman, but and just such a taboo of things when a lot of people are like walking addicts and it's just like if you're like the strung out addict on the street you're looked at totally different but a lot of people have their own addictions and they're walking every day with them and um and it's a part of it's a part of humanity and a part of like this walk of life I think and it shouldn't be looked at as such it should be looked at as a journey and a process and like way less taboo and just yeah so anyways um yeah people treat addicts as if they are unhuman um but there's life after addiction. There's life during addiction. It's all like a process when it comes to the relapsing. There's reasons behind it, how it affects the people around them. It's just so much to it. And I truly appreciate how raw, unapologetic, and intricate the show is when it comes to the depictions of the lives of these high schoolers. And although it's like people are like, man, my high school wasn't like that yet. It wasn't. But some people were like that. Like some schools were like that and some groups were like that. And um, and to showcase that and not put it under the rug is really, really dope to me. And I just think it's and it's just a cool ad. It's just a cool show. The outfits, the music, the characters, the way that it's shot on film. I heard that um, Sony brought out an old film that they was discontinued to shoot it. And it's just chef's, chef's kiss. I will definitely talk more about it. I could go on and on. But we have an interview to get to. But if you have not watched Euphoria, please do. Trigger warning. It could be very triggering to anyone who might have any um, addictions or family members or friends who have gone through that or suicide or anything like that. So definitely trigger warning. But it is a good show that I think to just help understand people more. And I hope that if kids do watch it, like they're not taking it as I'm about to go be rude and do drugs, but more so as oh, that's why this, you know, girl at my school might be like this, you know? So, yeah, that might be my super over-optimistic naiveness, but I don't care. I think it's a great show, and there's so much that you can learn from it. So that was a change. We're going to get into my two cents, and then we're going to get into the interview. And of course, there's no pen palletters because, like I said, Joy was a walking, we're well, not a walking, a talking advice giver. So that's where y'all would get y'all's advice. But for now, I have a little bit to tell you guys for my two cents. Oh, and before I get into my two cents, I definitely want to let you guys know if you listen to me on Spotify, Spotify now has ratings for podcasts. So make sure you hit that five. Hit that five for the ratings. Um, it definitely will help me on the algorithm and whatnot. So give your girl a rating. And also, 
when you guys post on y'all stories and things like that, if you learn something or if you're listening to it, screenshot it, post and tag me. That's always really good to get the momentum up and popping. So yeah, we're going to get into my two cents. I have one this week um, and I'm just going to get into it. So I've been having this like on my mind and my heart and I want to leave you guys with this. And it's about, and it's been helping me navigate my close relationships and even just myself. And it's the fact that everyone copes differently when it comes to the everyday stresses and anxieties of life or even in like social situations, coping with like any bit of, you know, on-edgeness or social anxiety. Everyone's internal dialogue comes out differently on the outside. You know what I mean? So for example, someone who might be nervous or stressed or been on edge, some people might be might get really quiet. Some people might retreat when others might get really, really talkative, cracking jokes, overcompensating to fill up the space. But on the inside, that dialogue is still like, oh my God, I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. Um, do they like, you know, do they like me or am I saying the right things? Am I sounding smart enough? But it, but on the outside, those things show up so different for everyone. And even on, that's on a lighter level, but even on a deeper level, if a friend is stressed or going through something, they might retreat and you might be like, dang, like what's going on? Or I've had friends who were stressed and going through stuff and they did do the opposite. They will talk, they'll just be talking, being super hyperactive and super like up there and you think that nothing's wrong with them when internally they're battling and they're just trying to cover it up. So yeah, there are so many different quirks and ways that our internal dialogue shows up externally. And I think that a lot of the times we assume that we are the only ones who are nervous or feeling inadequate on the inside or on edge or anxious in certain moments or situations. It's because especially if you're a quiet, reserved person and you see somebody just loud and just able to share and be vulnerable and it's like, dang, like I don't feel like I can do that. And vice versa, if you are a quieter, louder person and you kind of are like, dang, I want to be the chill observer, but it's hard for me to sit in silence or sit and like, you know, let things just flow. And I think we just assume that we're the only ones internally having a certain dialogue. So I want to just put that out there to know that your stress and anxiety shows up different than a friend's and to just be like cautious and aware of that. Maybe even try to observe and like notice those little details. I know for me, as someone who kind of is a leader and very much so open and easygoing, I can sometimes, what would come off as micromanaging in certain situations, or I will micromanage a situation because I just want it to go good and I want everyone to have a good time. And if no one's doing that around me, I used to be the one to just take that on. And, but now it's like, micromanaging and that's can be annoying the way that comes out but it's really my own anxieties of okay everyone's quiet not having that good of a time let's figure out what to do da, 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 and I end up micromanaging situations that could have just really flowed so I encourage you guys to see like how do y'all's anxieties show up in social social situations or in any situation when you're stressed or when you're kind of down or insecure like How does that show up to others just to be a bit more self-aware? Not to say you have to change it, but 
knowing it makes you like, okay, like whenever I'm doing acting like this, I know that internally this is what's going on or vice versa. I hope that makes sense. Like I always say, this is just like a, this is still a working thought that I've been like reading about and thinking on. But yeah, that is my two cents. We're going to go on to our interview with Joy Ofodu. Super excited as always. I love y'all so much. Don't forget to email me y'all's pen pal letters, post, share, all the things. It will absolutely hold a mirror out to you. You're going to get read by your own. You're going to get read by your own preferences, read by your own choices. Every single preference that you, and I kind of like this, like in a nerdy, you know, tech science type of way. Every preference that you indicate shapes your algorithmic experience on these apps and then shapes your psychological experience or like real world experience. So it's like, if you start an app, you know, they're going to ask you like, Hey, what's your name? What's your gender? Mm -hmm. Immediately you start thinking about like, Oh, okay. Like this is my identity. Whether you've questioned it or not, you just think about, okay, I'm a woman in this space or I'm a man in this space um, or I'm a non-binary person in this space. Then next is like, and what's your preference? I'm like, yep, I like me, my men. Always have, mm-hmm. always will, unfortunately. Um, and then next you start to go, all right, like racial preference. And you think about the ways that you have been encouraged, obviously, by African family members to date in your race. And then ways that you've been discouraged. Like my ex was not Black. Um, mm. And that was a whole journey. So I flash back and I'm like, could I again? Am I open to non-Black partner? Nah. You know, yeah. and, and just settle on whatever works for me now. Um, I think about age. And mm-hmm. so the things that uh, I hadn't experienced yet till I really stepped into the dating pool, like kind of more formally, were realizing that I'm not like a lot of the guys that are my age. Guys yeah. who are 23, 24, it wasn't, it wasn't and isn't working um, yeah, I can I already realize, tell. I can already tell by this comment with you that that's definitely not the pool that you need to be in. We got to ride. You got to. We got to step older. it up a little bit. <laughs> and, and it doesn't take away from those guys because I'm just recognizing that men are in different phases and mm-hmm. um, 23 year old women and 24 year old women are in very different phases. For someone who had a depth of relationship experience, I recognize that I had to date up, you know, a little bit in age. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, actually, 28 to 36. Okay. You know, like this is, this is where I rock. Um, and also just the ways that you're treated, you know, the ways you do feel a part of your own generation and feel like I am thinking like my generation in ways that I'm like, oh, I'm really not, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm this kind of Gen Z millennial in-betweener um, that has surfaced some things for me. And then finally, like, you know, size. So we're, when we talk about 5, 9, 10, 11, 12, and you, sort of right. play, you start to play that game. <laughs> that brought up an insecurity for me about my height. Right do you now. date only like tall like six feet above are you are you that girl or do you are you oh yeah <laughs> so, I'm like all the way down here so I never had to think about it never, that much I'm like yeah. down here yeah but I, but I all my friends are taller and it yeah <laughs> I'll be open and honest and say that w- what happened for me around that was like when I started um wait, hold on. Ooh, okay <laughs> we gotta let the legs stretch yeah what, what happened for me when I started in height was I knew my preference was for really tall guys. I was like, oh yeah, like I like them six four, you know. So I was like, let me look this way and then work back downwards, you know, very kind of vapid. Um, I met some young men who were six six, six eight. Ooh. Loved those experiences. <laughs> 
then was like, all right, that is kind of unusual. The majority of the guys you're going to meet, you know, like African Nigerian men, maybe they're like 5'11", 6". But basically what happened for me in there is I realized that when I'm around really tall men, I feel protected. So mm. when we're talking about this aspect of being a dark-skinned Black woman and being in public, what helped was, oh, like, I just feel cozy. Like, it's like having a right. personal life. And again, that that can be kind of surface level. It doesn't mean that just but no, it, no. It's it's psychological though. It is, it is. like that's it that is. is what we need and crave for. It and honestly there are, is. There are so many times, like my own. I talked about being a really brash, um, kind of like I'll just do whatever I want type of kid to grow and morph into being an adult who's more considerate of others and of space and how I'm being perceived. I always had this bull in a china shop type of feeling. Right, where I was, I'm just too big for these spaces. Not in a cocky way, but in a like scared way. Like I, I didn't feel dainty. I didn't feel light. I didn't feel precious because I always felt bigger than my space. I was always the tallest kid. I was always the darkest kid. I was always the loudest kid. So I felt like a bull in a china shop. And mm. then to date men who are bigger, taller, louder than I am was just kind of refreshing. I was yeah, like, I can, it's I can that is a comfort. Yeah, I can sink back. I can step back. You're going to step in front of me. And I made this joke in one of my videos about, it's called When He Pays. And it's just oh, like- I've seen that one. That simple pleasure when a man gets in front of you with his elbow or he's <laughs> like, why do he blocks you out? And he's like, no, nah, I got this. You're like, oh, that just, it just does something for me. Yes. It's because I get to be small in that moment. Because be I get delicate, to, gentle. Be delicate and shrink. When a, when a man, you know, kind of stops you and he moves to the other side of the sidewalk, you know, or he sits, he's going to sit in a different type of chair. So he has like a better view of the room. So he can just like look out mm-hmm. for those tiny little things. I didn't Value, know cherished, all of those things. They matter so much because I didn't have that initially. I told myself that I didn't care. But right. the truth is I always wanted those things. I always wanted the gestures, the flowers, the protection. So height brought up all those things for me. Height brought up the, the types of shoes I choose to wear when I go on dates. And mm-hmm. when it comes to dating apps, men are usually adding one to two inches. So I heard, I heard. Yeah. yeah. If this man says he's 5'11", he's 5'8". If this man says he's he's six foot, you know, he's 5'10". They want to be like, tall so bad. They want to be tall so bad. For it's no so reason. Because just, be, <laughs> because just be honest. I have dated men who are more so like at my height, um, like even slightly below. And like that, it won't bother you after a time. Because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's for me, it's not like I'm saying, oh, men who are shorter, are not worthy or men who are god no we love our short kings yes um, i actually think short kings are our future um i think they're going to lead us to victory mm-hmm. it's just about and short things have short men have that thing they have that special little the little je ne sais quoi. they have that yes they sure do keep it on mm-hmm. them and so it's it was, yeah. it, was, it was good for me to like check that within myself and be like okay i'm actually much more open on height than i thought i was Yes, I like this experience of being protected, but someone doesn't need to be six four, six eight to make you feel protected, mm-hmm. right? They just have to be there with you and present and know things about you, know what bothers you, know what you're afraid of, um, mm-hmm. and kind of just stand in that with you. So that's what dating brought up for me, those kind of traumas. Like I've had experiences where you know, like dating a shorter guy I was on a date and he said offhand, this was obviously pointing to his insecurity, but he said like he was, you know, pulling me into like a picnic blanket or whatever. Come here, my big girl. Oh God. I said, Oh God. What did right. you do after that? 
I just I like I I like yeah the up. moment yeah and, yeah and I was I was in the moment I was trying to be polite but like I I ten I said like what like I questioned I'm confrontational so if you say something like doesn't sit well with me I'm gonna call it out so just like little experiences like that didn't make me feel great um, dating is a process where you consistently feel like you are being put forth and then rejected you're being put forth and it's not enough you're being put yeah. forth and chosen second you're being put forth and placed on a delay you're on a shelf so you need to be okay with like yeah, you're going to have some experiences where you feel extremely validated, extremely excited to be on that day. Like I felt like I'm in a freaking fairy tale notebook mm-hmm. picked up and spun around at the park. <laughs> like I've had some great experiences. And with those, you're also going to have ones for which you are not the priority for the person that connected with you on the app that still doesn't know you. Um, you're going to have ones where that person's after you way too hard. Mm-hmm. And you realize you, so this is another one, the balance between availability and unavailability and mm-hmm. you talked about that how when someone is unavailable how that can feel kind of exciting mm-hmm. and how when someone's hyper available you're like Ugh. right right or when you so are making your, yeah when you're making is- yourself hyper available you start to be like "Ooh, am i am i doing too like no right that's what that was one of my like next next top as well we can get into that now for the next thing but that is one thing that i've noticed like it's like all the and it's like, we do it subconsciously, I'm sure, but it's just like all, everyone who's super duper hyper on you or whatever, you kind of like put them on the back burner or you don't even go discover it. But the ones who, you know, might be a little bit unavailable, it's like you run more towards it. And I really want to know what you think about like why we think like that. And even when it comes to men, um, me and my friend just talked about this. So, you know, the whole thing where it's like the date's going good. Y'all are going on like, three to four dates, whatever. Everything is cool. And then um, you kind of, invite them out or you kind of push a a little bit and then they kind of reel it back into the whole like let's just be friends thing yeah because they feel like a little bit of your effort so I'm like I want to know your thoughts on that whole thing as well like it's all placing together show the effort that you want to show indicate the interest that you have and do not let some scared little boy or girl or person run you out of your natural pursuit like yeah if you are somebody who goes to go get the things you want and you see somebody you like say something and this is genderless now as a go-getter as a shot shooter a lot of these shots have been successful some not but to be honest most (laughs) most of my shots have been successful right Mm -hmm. um i use discernment when i shoot but most of my shots have been successful that said when i realized like oh i want to be this girl that's delicate Mm-hmm. I want to feel like in my relationship, I can kind of take a side seat and you're going to step up and make decisions. That influences me to go, okay, Joy, then you can't always be shooting. It cannot always be nice, right? Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. always be shooting. You need, if you need someone who's going to step up and make the plan, don't consistently make the plan. Mm-hmm. Step back, right? So in those instances where you are looking for a particular type of person, or you know that you like to be in a certain role, don't play the other role overly so. Because what I've noticed about guys, especially on dating apps, especially in the Bay Area, they're real laid back. So if you if you call it a link, yeah, he's cool to call it a link. You call it a date, ooh, you know, now he's like, oh, I got to put on. They have these expectations of what it is that they're supposed to do. If you tell him, hey, we're going to meet here, here, do this, he might be like, oh yeah, absolutely. And he'll just He'll fall into Blow that mold. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fall into that mold that you've built for him. So I realized I was like, if I want 
to date a man who's going to be a planner, I actually do need to bite back my natural instincts a little bit. Not to the right. point where I'm being disingenuous, not to the point where I'm faking it. I'm not acting dumb. I'm not <laughs> acting like overly cool or like I'm chill with behavior that I'm not or I'm chill with like jokes that I'm not. That's not me. I'm not the cool girl. I'm actually quite sensitive. Um, Something I tweeted about recently. I'm sensitive. I'm delicate. I like to be planned for. Thus, I should make sure that I'm leaving space for a man for to that to happen. I'm leaving space for him to plan for me. Um, that's so better. That's, leave, leave space. That's a better way space. to think of it than, than like let them chase. No, leave space. I don't because who has time? I believe in I believe in indicating what you want and indicating how you feel and then moving accordingly. And if anything changes, voicing it quickly. That has been way more successful than me in dating rather than sitting on something. If I am after a man or if I say I like you and you back up. That means you don't sh- really like me that much really like or, me like that. That's cool. in, in this, or we're not aligning right now for whatever reason. we're not reason. aligning right now for whatever reason. Just like mm-hmm. you said, it's like, okay, that's good. That's a good thing. Let's celebrate that. Let's dig into that. And I think too many people instead, they're worried about the other person liking them. Versus, like, do I even like you? <laughs> do I like you? Do you let me express the romance? Do you let me express the sensuality that I want? Do you let me move at a pace that's comfortable for me? Right. Both of y'all need to be very selfish in that regard, sensitive to what the other person's on. Mm-hmm. But both, both of you need to be selfish. So like, I really just don't play in, like some people like to be chased. Some people like to chase and they need it. I've had men who are after me who clearly like to chase. And the second that I started reciprocating it, he started acting funny. Right. I'm like, Please get away from me. I'm not interested in you. And I do it quick. Like, and that kind of shows it's like it's it was more about the chase and your ego than it really was about me. If it's way more case, about ego. I had someone I said, I said, please do better for the next girl because this is disrespectful. I'm not interested in you anymore. I made it so clear. What did he do? He stepped it up. That is the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> wait, wait, reel it back, reel it back. So he just did it. Yeah, just reel it so back. So <laughs> he was putting forth lackluster effort. I vocalized, this doesn't work for me. I'm not interested. And I truly wasn't. It's, this isn't some cat and mouse game. I don't play the game. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just doesn't delight me. I said, please like, leave me alone, essentially. like, Good luck. Move on. This isn't it. I don't know what you're bringing, but I don't want it. He stepped the effort up. Okay. That is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Because it's like, I, you, it you took can't me have having... Re- yeah, you can't have someone reject you to your face. And now you're going to step it up. That's misguided. Right. So that tells me it's more about you winning and you, and this is the position you wanted to be in. I, this is where I played into my crazy a little bit. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I think I know where this is going. So let me see. And I was right. He just wanted to be the person to be able to reject. Mm. He wanted his ego, which was bruised by my statement to come back and make a comeback. And then for him to be, and able then- to say, no, no I, you can't fire me. I quit type energy. So and that's exactly what happened, how it and played exactly out. What happened. So look out for that. Right. Dang, that's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, let's go back. So we were talking about things you learned about yourself. Um, so I'll go with mine. Um, I was thinking, well, I know for a fact I was super duper boundaryless. I think it's a first gen thing, like no boundaries whatsoever, always saying yes, kind of. I forgot all, whenever I'm like in love or whatever, I forget all my things. Like I forget everything. <laughs> like it's just like all my, like, my dreams, ambitions, they're, they're they're still there, of course. Like, and I'm a headstrong girl, but they're definitely a little bit on the back burner. And it's like, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm all in it. 
So um, definitely have grown from that. But of course, I still like fall weak to that. So I do want to know, um, you talk a lot about boundaries as well. So like, how do you create your boundaries? How do you practice enforcing them? And like, what are your boundaries, boundaries if you don't mind sharing them? Yeah. Um, again, how you create them. Is and how do you not forget your things? Because you are on it when it comes to your career, um, everything in all of your, everything that's, that, that's outside of your, you know, everyday job. So it's like, how do you date? and do it all together but that yeah. stuff matters just so deeply to me that i can't mess with i won't mess with right it. Mm-hmm. if it's oh we're gonna do this no i don't care that you're working right now like come over no <laughs> like it's it's to the point where i'm i think i'm a very logical analytical person and dater sometimes to where yes i like you less yes i like having fun with you but like my master's program comes first my right. job comes first my family will always come first my health comes before any of the things I just mentioned. So, and God comes first, right? So whenever mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being pulled from those things or straight or it's messing with my core values, it actually just becomes unattractive to me. I'm not someone who is motivated by extreme risk. I believe mm-hmm. in taking a leap, right? I like the excitement. I like a little thrill. I like a little, ooh, what? Mm-hmm. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, here? out here I like a little bit of that but never to the point where it's going to compromise like my safety or like my future and so to the point where anything that's going to compromise that my physical safety my emotional safety it just becomes so unattractive to me that my constitution kicks in and I shut it down I can't Mm -hmm. be uh or Mm -hmm. or acknowledging because I think it's about acknowledgement when you when you start to accept duality that exists within you about how you feel, I think it, it better enables you to move through things. So like mentally for me, I practice having dual thoughts. So I can say, wow, I would really like to, you know, run off in this kind of fairy tale way with this person I just met. And I wonder where that could take me. I can hold space for that thought and accept that that is a desire that I have. Mm-hmm. And then also hold a completely separate space. That's the logical one, right? The, the angel or whatever on your shoulder that's like hey this isn't safe you, you don't, don't know him yeah you know him. <laughs> <laughs> i have a story for know. you after this i'm gonna tell you the story later it's not for the plot yes. but i'm gonna I'll, I'll message you yeah <laughs> you got that angel on your shoulder that's like i i know i'm gonna sound crazy but i don't know who this man is and, <laughs> and it's okay to listen to that and have both thoughts and accept that they're both valid and then just go i'm gonna choose the thing that keeps me safe so mm-hmm. that's how i maintain my boundaries um when they are crossed, don't don't wait and let it be a number of different things. I think people do this in relationships. You start to think that you need to be nice and give allowance to people and go, right. you or that you're understanding and being empathetic. Yeah. That's, you're like, oh, you me. yelled at me and I don't like that, but let me just, um, I'll just wait till you do it again three, four, five more times so that I can determine that you actually are somebody who yells. And then after you do that, then I'll talk to you about it. Nah, like the first infraction should be addressed, right? Mm. And not from an accusatory place. Or from a, hey, you did this thing that triggered me, right, in a certain way. Um, and just don't let those things stack up before you bring them up. Um, mm-hmm. That passivity is something that I know people do with me because I have a, what do you want to say? I have I have a very dogmatic kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I have a very big personality. So I know people do that with me. I'm sensitive to that now. I wasn't before. I'm sensitive to that now. And then also when I myself feel... Ooh, you know, that just doesn't feel quite right in my stomach. I'm going to say something. Say but something, that's how I set yeah. my boundaries. Boundaries in relationships. Um, 
for me, I think are like pretty basic. Um, again, like don't make me feel physically unsafe. Don't do risky things with me. We're not going to be speeding down the highway. You know, right. just if you want to flex, that's not impressive to me. Um, I really like to be paid for on the first date. So that's not a boundary I need to say, but it's something I can watch. I always have my mm-hmm. own money just in case, but that's something I'm going to watch. Like I will not even, I don't do a cute fake out at the table. You know that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not pulling anything out. Huh? Like who? Like, probably never. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I'm not playing that's for fine. a while. No, and that's and I haven't. I don't remember the last time I paid on a first date. Yeah, like I bought my wallet on a first, because why? So like that's a boundary type thing that I have, or it's it's actually it's more so it's more so an expectation. But I don't right. I don't need to get voiced to it. I can just watch it happen. Um, you cannot be mean to me. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. You can't be mean to me. You can't yell at me. You can't. Um, you can't like. You can't control me. <laughs> Right. There's, there's <laughs> this laugh. You're so just like there there are some decisions I'm gonna let you in on. There's some things I'm gonna ask your input on, but like I'm not living by your rules. I'm not living by any man's rules, right? Like right. so there there are just some things I I want I wanna build a space with my partner, my future partner, where we're making decisions together. Absolutely. I Listen, I revel in that. And I, I love when a man decides things. <laughs> I promise you I do. I love I love when I can toss up and just, if I'm looking unsure and he notices that, you know, just that's, that's sensitivity. Yeah. People think it's masculine energy. That's actually, to me, that's quite feminine energy. He, he picks up on, this girl's unsure, and he goes, let's go here. Mm-hmm. Especially oh. if, like, someone, like, people always probably think you have the answer or you have... Yes. You know, so that feels good for that to happen. It feels great. So a boundary is like, don't control me, but like, please step up, you know, like when you need to. And so I've got those. And it's just a really simple things to the point where if anybody does, if anyone is mean to me, if anyone ever does yell at me, if anyone does make me feel physically unsafe, if we ever are fighting, if you are insulting, what is the reason that I would stay in that intimate relationship? I don't yeah, need to like, What is the that. reason? What is the reason? Why are you being weird to me? Right? <laughs> I don't need that. So those are some of my boundaries. And I, I just, and the way you have to enforce them, it's got to be so zero to one or one to zero. Like don't, don't waver. There are some, there are some boundaries that it's like somebody can violate and you can tool around a little bit and only you can decide what those are. Mm-hmm. But I have some, it doesn't matter how great you've been. Don't start to count. Well, he did this and she did that. And they were really kind to me in these moments. It was just this one. There are some I have now that are so one to zero. And that's what helps me keep my peace. I will. Mm-hmm. You miss a date with me. You you are two hours late. You are what? You know, I'm going to cut it off right there. I don't care what your intention was. I don't care what was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't care. That you're, I appreciate that you're sorry. I'll acknowledge and I'll accept your right. apology, but I'm, but I'm moving on. Right. Right. And no, that's good. That's good. Do you think that um, being first gen has affected your dating or your view on relationships? And if so, how? I go first. Like definitely. Yeah. So for me, I will say that like my mom didn't date, like not to say, not to say that their marriage was arranged at all, but I think that I think she dated one guy before, but not even dating. It was like, okay, let's see if this works. And it didn't. And then it was my dad. So she didn't know anything about dating and you know, like how like Lori Harvey and like Marjorie, I feel like Marjorie gave Lori the game, you know what I'm saying? In a sense, you know, in whatever way. And I don't think that I got that 
much at all. And my mom actually like lives vicariously through us, like through our mm-hmm. dating experience. It's so cute. Yes. So cute. So um, I feel like I figured it out on my own with cousins maybe, but they didn't know either. So yeah, that's what my whole thing. I think so. I am in a very similar boat to you, mm-hmm. right? Where parents don't really open up about that type of stuff. It's just not in our culture and it's not our way. To be honest, it's not even a Nigerian culture and way to be openly like dating, right? Like even in 2021 in the U.S., that's true. It's not. It's not in our culture to be talking about. I went out here and I went out there, so I I understand that I am violating the mold in a certain way, and I've had to deal with those tensions. Um, but I do think it's for the better. I do think it's for the better that we as like African girls get together and start to talk about this and mm-hmm. start to verbalize our experience. It's not one that the previous generation went through or can even fully understand and just to accept that they don't. We're the first. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's now with Gen Z, right? Obviously, it's like first to be born online. Like there's never Mm -hmm. a world that didn't exist where they weren't hyper connected, where they didn't have profiles and apps. So I just acknowledge that it's a different experience. (laughs) There is obviously cultural tension, but I love that at least for me, my family, I think we've come to a place that's like, let's agree to disagree. Let's agree we're never going to be fully aligned on that, but like, you know, go with God type energy. And mm-hmm. it's been great um, for me being first gen. I think it has influenced me in the way that I feel this extreme sense of culture and cultural loss. Mm-hmm. So the culture I feel obviously is this like Nigerian American communities, the language, the food, the music, the traditions I grew up with and I retain here in the U.S., but the loss that I feel is like very significant of, I don't speak fluent Igbo, you know, um, I'm not back in Nigeria all the time. So there's a part of me that fully belongs here where I've been planted, where I'm making a future. And then there's a part of me that like is missing from Africa, is missing from Nigeria, is always going to be somewhat disconnected. So what dating did, and especially as I kind of leaned into my preference of like only dating black men is like, I truly have a preference to date African men. Like I would like to preserve some of those cultural traditions. I would like to surface some of them up, whether it's my Nigerian culture or another culture. Mm -hmm. To me now, it has become important to be able to, you can't quite combat, but to balance that sense of loss with a sense of retention. Yeah. with, With a sense of well, child, like, I didn't know that I was beautiful when I was young. It took me a long time, right? No fault of anybody around me, no fault of my family. But in the next family that I raise, in the next family that I start, you're going to know this from the jump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I get emotional when I think about my future family and, like, what I want to build through dating. And so to me, yeah. that's, like, that's the end goal. And as a, as a first-gen person, we're an experiment and we have to build not just new Nigeria. We need to build new, new Nigeria. Literally. Uh, it might become new, new Nigeria, Egypt, new, new Nigeria, African America, new, new Nigeria, Cameroon, new, new Nigeria, Ghana. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a new experience. Mm-hmm. So it's a responsibility too. That's kind of like, whoa, okay. Yeah. That's what like, I'm saying. You, you see me get quiet. Cause it, feel, yeah. it does, it does feel a little heavy and I, I just feel some sense of preserving a little bit of what I have not to wear, <laughs> let me be clear, <laughs> not to wear, I'm going to tolerate disrespect, discomfort, um, 
you know, for extended discomfort, extended unease. In the name of culture. Unhappiness in the name of culture. Yeah. Not me, please. No, for (laughs) real. I can't can't tap it up things. Not I. So there's just that boundary for me. I was in Kenya. I just got back actually maybe three weeks ago. I was there for two months. Um, And it just, and I went, just me and my dad. So I was able to kind of explore, see like, you know, family dynamics in a different way, kind of observe a little bit more. And a lot of it was kind of like, I don't even want to say heartbreaking, but I feel like this emotion that is happening because it's like, a lot of it was like not okay. You know, like a lot of things just not okay in a sense of the way that family operated and boundaries and things like that. It made me feel okay, like, it's going to be me to hold on to these like values of family, but like it has to be looked at differently. Like things have to be looked at differently, dating, just even just sibling rivalries, all kind of things. Um, and it kind of was like, a, okay, well, all that I knew that I was and where I came from. Yes. The culture is beautiful. It's everything. Like it's mm-hmm. like, at least like we have, like people don't have even something to look back on and grab onto, but also it, it, a lot of things are disheartening. A lot of things have negatively impacted us as well. So navigating that and figuring out, okay, how am I going to take that and like the future? And I'm like that, you know, I'm like right in the middle. Me and my brothers are like right in the middle for our future is, has been something that I've been, I haven't figured out at all. You know, like I just got back, but really been thinking about, like I've cried about it and everything. It's just like, damn, like, okay. Like it's a lot, it's a lot. So I understand. I like I feel you when you're like when you got emotional with that for sure. Yeah, there are some traditions yeah. we take and run with and just keep alive, and there are some we leave behind. And it's just yeah. it's making your peace with your decisions. Mm-hmm. If you decide to date outside of Kenya, that's like that's your peace with your decision, right. and just preserve preserve what feels right for you. There's no there's no book at this mm-hmm. point. There really we're, isn't. We gotta write it. Mm-hmm. Yvonne Orge, I'm not sure if you watched her Breakfast Club interview. I need to read her book as well, but she kind of talked about a lot of this a bit too. Like she's mm-hmm. kind of had the same like thoughts and experiences of things that need to be let go of and like, you know, her being the one in her, you know, family to like bridge that gap. So if not, if you haven't watched it, you definitely should. It's good. It's really I'm good. I'm going to get into that. Yes. Um, okay. So uh, lastly with the, well, we're, we're going to transition. We're about to end a little bit. Um, so uh, I'm, do you watch Insecure? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Nathan, Nathan and Issa, um, we know that Nathan did with bipolar openly on the show and kind of like transitioned through that. Um, now they're dating and she's completely aware of it. Um, she actually was there for him, understanding. I would love to know um, your thoughts on like how m- mental health and dating, if you had any experiences personally with your own mental health and how it might have affected a situation or vice versa and then we can get into your natural mental health journey which will lead us into work who you are and like all those other things so yeah yeah I mean mm-hmm. my my ex had traumas I had traumas like you know any human being does and I it, it's funny I don't think I've ever met a person without trauma if you get to know yeah. somebody intimately in some form so whether it comes from family or loss or the body or what's happened like there's just something that everyone's dealing with and relationships that are healthy can be a really amazing space to, to have that trauma surface in there. Let me make, let me make a distinction. Relationships aren't therapy. They're yeah. not professional licensed therapy. So if anything, like I was in licensed therapy to deal with burnout first and then grief. 
to be partnered during those times is amazing. Cause I could go to my partner and say, Hey, like, this is a, you know, a breakthrough that I had. This is something I'm struggling. I still can't open up. How come I could tell you about this that I can't bring it out here? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be a kind of like incubator, kind of like a warm nest around some of those traumas that come up for you, but we all got it. So yeah. it's going to, whether you're in licensed therapy or have access to that or not, it's going to come up in some form in your relationships. And I think that when you do have that healthy space where you can both talk about it, it's really so gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. really, it's almost, almost two people shouldering one burden. And I don't mean that they can hold it for you, but they can hold it with you. Right. right? It's, it's like something that's literally just on you and what your partner who deeply cares about you, if they have the capacity, because this yeah. is not a standard, if they have the capacity, they're putting one hand under and just holding up so they can feel it with you. Mm-hmm. And so they can talk to you about it so they can understand it. So when we talk about Insecure and Nathan and Issa, like, I think it's it's quite beautiful how what Issa did for him, especially in recent um, kind of episodes, is noticing him break off from the crowd, noticing him have that weight right. still and be able to say, I'm not here to clown you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not even here to fix it. Right. I'm just here the, to be here. And the relationship won't fix it. Love won't fix a trauma. You can't love the trauma out of somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was just her stepping in and being like, but I'll put one hand under it and like, I'll feel it with you. And I, I think that that had a distinct impact on his character. Now, when it comes to arguments or fights and mm-hmm. like, again, I don't have like when, the, like when the trauma might show up, like in those, in those, in those instances, like in those that's instances. When it gets... it's scary. It can be a true, it can be such a test. I don't it's kind of like, I am not my trauma, but it can show up and it could be, you know, and someone, especially in the dating sense could be like, okay, she's crazy. This is that whatever. But it's like, okay, this is a trauma response or a trigger or whatever. And it'd be nice in dating if we could be like, okay, that's what that was. And it'd be understood, yes. but not, not everyone has the capacity for that. Not everyone even has the, you know, yeah, time or even gives a fuck to, you know, yeah, to do stuff. Frankly. Yeah. It's like, I just, I, I hope that no matter what relationship I'm going to be in in the future, when I have those moments of those things that I, that I can vocalize, that that's always going to be considered if I do, you know, mess up right in a way. Right. And then when, or, or, when I'm not as quick, like for me, I had some traumas that were just kind of more physical and they, they slowed me down. Right. So it's like, I just need a partner that can understand when we do want to speed up, like this is going to slow me down mm-hmm. and just, just hold that with me. Just stay in that with me. Um, forgive me for that. Right. If something frustrates you, forgive me for that. And so I think to me, and even watching like Nathan and Issa, there's there's this most recent episode, there's like some comments that are made um, or way that they got into a fight where I'm like, it just doesn't even sound like y'all care. It right. sounded like Nathan and Issa cared about being right in the fight. You care about levying your hurt over the other person's hurt and saying, well, but you said you were going to move here. Yeah, well, you don't, you know, you're all over the place and it's an accusatory battle. I don't engage in that. I pray right. that, I pray that very far away from me. I hope I'm always in spaces where we're not trying to outdo each other on this is how much you've messed up and this is how much I've messed up. But instead, we're just bringing forth um, Blue Toulouse calls them like courageous conversations, courageous conversations, not fights about this is what's kind of on my spirit because of the trauma that I have. 
And I hope that you can forgive me when you see it. I hope that you can forgive me after you see it. I hope we can talk about it. Um, I hope you know that it's not a reflection of how I feel about you, but it is my response to something that has happened in my past. Um, The more and more- It's a courageous conversations. Yeah, courageous conversations. Okay. Instead of fights, right? Because I think Nathan and Issa- started to have a courageous conversation in a recent episode but then it turned into a fight because nathan Mm -hmm. really nathan verbalized it's just these people at work that was courageous of him right to even quote unquote complain about that right for him to even vent to her like i was hurt today at work (laughs) if she had read a little bit more which you can't be a mind reader but if she had read a little bit more into his body language right realize he needs a listening ear right now he doesn't yeah because and she didn't know exactly what he said. Like, we know what the guy said to him at work. Like, she didn't know yeah. how deep it was. Because she like, oh, take, some work shit. Yeah. She didn't take the time. She didn't that take the true. time. You, you got to know that not every partner is going to be ready to open up about their traumas right away. Right. They're not going to be ready to share with you, hey, this is what happened to me when I was five. Or this is my relationship with my dad. It might take years for some fears to come out. It might take years. So just recognizing that. It's not that people are going to present themselves as soon as you start dating in the first month and they lay everything flat and then it's boop. And this is who I am. Sign the dotted line mm-hmm. but that we're ever evolving. Seven years of a relationship taught me that much. It taught me, yes, I'm accepting and loving and excited about who you are right now, but I understand that we're on a lifelong journey. So how you feel about X or how you respond to X this year could very well change in two days, could very right. well change in one year and five. Um, so you just have to kind of be forgiving and and be flexible. And again, when something no longer serves you, whether or not it right. is someone's trauma, how they're processing it, how you're processing it together, you don't have the emotional bandwidth for it anymore. It's okay to not villainize and it's okay to just show care and 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 separate. Mm-hmm. Very much so true. So we can go on to um, who you are and well, this is all the, of who you are as well. But um, yeah. I feel like... Uh, Showing up for yourself when you're dating, showing up as yourself when you're dating is another thing. I know some people kind of like mold to, you know, who they, who this person wants or whatever the case may be. But I feel like you definitely, you show up as yourself on the internet, I'm sure at work and just like everywhere. So I do want to know what was your journey stepping into yourself like so fully, boldly and fearlessly. And what do you think stops people from living that way? For me, it was like... I feel like a cognitive dissonance if I'm in a physical space and I can't be me. So mm-hmm. if if I'm being asked to show up and it's like, oh no, but just leave this part at home. Oh yeah, you can be, you know, you can be on a date with me, but I don't like girls who boo boo boo. Uh, yeah. Right. What? <laughs> like you're really cool except this, but we can keep, no, no, thank you. Keep it. So mm-hmm. what encourages me to fully step into myself is there's a uh they call it like flow, right? When your mm-hmm. brain is in flow, there is such a flow that I feel romantically, emotionally, when I'm in a space where I'm being fully validated, fully mm-hmm. cared for, mm-hmm. fully protected, fully held, fully seen, mm-hmm. appreciated, doted on. I need all <laughs> that. And, yeah. And t- to have a taste of that, especially for so long, right? Like in, in my last relationship, to have a taste of that, I know that it's not that it needs to be identical. But these things do need to be met. This world mm-hmm. is just too wide. This life is too long. Opportunities are too abundant. And there are 7 billion people, probably more than that now, on the planet to where you don't need to try to make your puzzle piece fit or, you know, 
chop off a bit of that puzzle piece to try to fit into what somebody's looking for. Right. So I believe in compromise. I believe in shifting your behavior to be non-triggering to a partner. I believe in being sensitive to what they want and need and stepping up in ways that might make them happy. Speaking their love language, not yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe in all that. But I also know that for me, when I have been in those spaces that are blissful and loving and treasuring, that is such a good taste and such a good feeling that when I'm not, it just doesn't add up. So I'm just motivated. Mm-hmm. I'm always motivated to get back to that. Just get out of there, right. To, to get out of there and get back to that feeling that I felt that, that just made me feel like whether it's career, romance, intimate friendships, there's a feeling for me of home. Mm-hmm. And it's so special and so unique. It's like being in my own home. You know, thankfully I have a positive association with home. There's a feeling of I'm at home in you. I'm at home. I'm at home in this is it's like a poem I wrote um, where I was just kind of like juggling like these ideas of like love and partnership. And I I wrote it and it was like to something to the effect of if I can find home with you and with you and with you, then home must be in myself. Wow, that's so good. Right. If I felt it with him and him and him and at this party. And in this space and in this state and during this, then the common denominator is me. That's so good. It's a home that I feel within myself that is activated by certain people and that I also should be able to feel entirely alone. So when you, when you asked me about who I was and who I am, extrovert me, when who I was, I thought that I had to find that. I thought I had to chase that. I thought being constantly connected to people was the only way for me to feel it. Because that's right. when I felt most alive. And now I realize, partnered or not, baby, like single, <laughs> single for over a year and loving it, mm-hmm. I feel that home within myself. It's so good. That's so good. Okay. Um, so we're going to wrap it up in a second. But I do want people to know, because outside of just dating, you are a marketing scientist, a voiceover artist. And I, comedian, like I want to say that you are for sure. Yes. But I do want to know like how you even got into voice artists specifically, because I have one friend who is, everyone tells her she should, her voice is gold, like, and she can change it, switch it up. But it's one of those things where black women or black people, like, don't even know, like, where to start or how to get into that space. So I do want to know more about that. Like, how did you start? And like, what's your process and what you've learned? A quick little tidbit and stuff. Yeah, on my Instagram, um, that's Instagram.com slash Joyofodu, J-O-Y-O-F as in Femi, O-D as in dog, U, Joyofodu. I do have some videos and I I do lives from time to time where I'm voiceover auditioning and I talk about like what I work through. Um, I also have a video that I wrote how to break into voiceover acting. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Yes, I'll put the link in the the description box for sure. There we go. Uh, For me, how I broke in was kind of similar thing. I had a lot of encouragement from people. I had been an actor, what I think many people don't know if they met me during my tech journey. I'd been an actor when I was young, not voice, but just trying to be like live action modeling. And I also was a thespian. I was in theater. That's how you and my brother. <laughs> me, me and Matt met. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> met that, me, yes. that theater kid singing in IHOP energy is something that we connected on for sure. So I retained that through my professional life. 
being up on stages in front of people pitching speaking there was always a theatrical mm-hmm. buzz Com- comedy is how i process life so i was always cracking jokes but to take those things hey you're funny hey you're a really good actor hey you're and to take those compliments seriously um what i needed to do was just kind of like invest in the equipment you know that i wanted to be able to sound truly good because so much so much about success in voice is the quality of the sound right mm-hmm. just as much in as there is an art and it's great that you can project different types of voices and types of characters. So much of it is is how you literally sound. It's the engineering of how you sound. So teaching myself mics, teaching myself um, Audacity, which is a free program that I got. Um, it's a software. Anybody online can download it. Mm-hmm. Those things, plus the business acumen of me as a marketing scientist, I know how to market myself. I can market it. Yeah. But yeah. I know how to market myself. So taking that to be like, all right, we're going to set up a strategy whereby... I roll being a voice actor into my identity. And if you do follow my comedy on Instagram or TikTok, you'll notice I voice everything. <laughs> yeah, the- no, it sounds so good. And just like, it, it's the best. Literally, it sounds amazing. Thank you. All those voices like you hear of like men or dudes or whatever, that's all me. It's like, all you, yeah. So I've been, I've been practicing. And I think with voice acting, just like having that practice is so important. You don't want the opportunities to present to you before you're quite ready. So getting ready by being in the gym, it's literally been over a year for me of character. That doesn't mean over a year of technical training, but over a year for me of building characters really prepared me well for once I learned the technology and I paired that with my marketing ability, I immediately took off. I've immediately been booked for short films, uh, for video games, um, for podcast intro outros, uh, for meditation apps like the Shine app. And so I'm really happy to be in a space now where the vocal talent is is seen and and harnessed, but I have to learn. Agent or it's just a... I am unrepresented. Pitch yourself. Oh, I love that. I I did. I did a, you know, Disney Junior Pickwick pack. Like I saw that. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. You sounded amazing. It's It's like, that's a talent. (laughs) Like, let's go. I love it. So all of that is, all of that is me. All of that is Mm -hmm. me pitching. It's me being online. I've always been a child of the internet. I've always used it as a resource, as a tool, not as an inhibitor. Um, I see opportunity is abundant. I chase it. And when it's not there, guess what I do? I create it. This was me in entertainment. It's me in tech. It's me in marketing. It's me in voice acting. If I don't see it, I will come up with an idea and I will email you. And suddenly where you didn't even think to have a voice as part of the project, there's mine. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. As a gift. As a gift to you. Like, here you go. Like, yes. Here. Yes. Here you go. So with the techie part, what's one thing you think that we should know that's going on in the tech world that someone who's not would know? Like NFT, metaverse, all these new things. I loved we, your meta, your meta boost skin. I, I'm not sure. Was it meta bay? That was, that was it. That was it. I said that to you. this one dude I talked to, talked to, let me say talk to you. Um, yeah, he's like, it, yeah, super NFT, like sending me all this stuff. I definitely sent him that when I was like, yeah, this is, this is you. I'm <laughs> like, weak. I think just to be aware of things like that, whether it's the metaverse or NFTs, this web three development is like coming out as fast. It's already here and people are, people are already winning majorly. When I had heard about crypto and stuff like that, I was so reluctant, resistant. I was like, that just doesn't even fit in what I have. Um, even if I was interested, I just recognized that I had my master's program. I had full-time job. I had creation. It couldn't You're be- You're still in your like, master's program right now? Oh no, I graduated. Okay, okay. We, we completed it. <laughs> okay. um, it was a whirlwind year of, of a master's degree, but um, I had all those things as priorities as priorities at the time. 
So I knew that even if I have an interest in getting ahead here and in competing and keeping up with the Joneses per se, I can't. I physically can't. So it's okay, you know, but Mm -hmm. that's the thing that I would advise is it's happening. The sooner you can get into these things that you hear are unusual or new or Web3, like just jump in, just look around, know that you don't need to fully understand it to take advantage of it. And that's the thing that I think kept me for so long about cryptocurrency, about NFT space, about even managing my own finances. I thought, oh, well, but if I, if I don't know exactly how I need to manage and where every single cent is going. It's like, is it giving pyramid scheme? Is it giving, you should be here now? Like have the, have the basic understanding you need to hire professionals that you can trust. And that Mm -hmm. is how I realized how to get ahead in business. My creator business, my voice acting, everything has boomed because it's not that I know every intricate detail. I know enough to produce the product, right? I know enough that it's authentic to me. I'm not going to lie about what I know. And then I trust enough in the people that I've researched that they are experts that I am not. And I'm going to hire you to help me do this. And that Mm -hmm. is success in business. The most powerful people in the world do not, you know, business leaders don't know every aspect of how to do your job, right? There are Mm -hmm. CEOs who can't do my job. They don't have to, right? They just need to trust in my ability. So I've learned now as a leader, my career idols are um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Issa Rae, Sierra, right? Sierra doesn't know how to physically make diapers, but she and Russ have a diaper brand. Right. (laughs) Right? Dwayne The Rock Johnson I, don't, I can't say if he knows how to edit audio, but he's a very popular voice actor and his voice mm-hmm. is just instantly demanded and accepted, right? He's got consumer packaged goods deals. Um, Issa's got web series and funding. I don't know if she knows how to write the legal contract. She might, right? Mm-hmm. She might not. So it's just it's just that aspect of like growing up, whether it's voiceover, whether it's taking advantage of tech, just know you may not know everything and that's fine. Yes, and again, know yourself and just like outsource. If you need to get some help, research and don't try to like just know, because that actually would take... It's way too long. Like, or it, it's kind of impossible because it's, it's just not your strength, you know, if yeah. you try to like be another lane. It is yeah. so true. What's a couple or one, um, like, I guess, publication or website, like that's your go-to when it comes to like the new tech stuff that's trusted that you're like, okay, bet like the new. I know this is going to sound crazy. Yeah. I don't. I'm not a, uh, like I'm not a daily NPR listener. Okay. Um, I'm not a ad week reader. Like, I just take my information from everywhere. And I think, I think that's why I'm, to be honest, I think that might be why I'm so successful. Like I always did feel kind of left out when people are like, oh yeah, I listen to this and every day. Well, I, I, read, read I read the, I have a friend yeah. who reads the uh, Economist. Economist? I was I about to it. say, I read the Economist. <laughs> There's always somebody. And it's like, great. You know, and, but I've just, I've never been that person. I'm not, I'm not subscribed to any one publication that I read all the time. I got a bunch of different ones coming in and out, but I take information from Twitter. Um, I would say Clubhouse is just a great source. Clubhouse, mm-hmm. if you're like me, you're not a daily publication reader or listener. You're an everything type person. Clubhouse is dope. Um, the people on Clubhouse, authors, um, whether it's Min, Bumani, they're going to they're gonna transfer over to Twitter and start talking about what they think and engaging with other thought leaders. Mm-hmm. So I just highly recommend hopping on Clubhouse if you're interested in any one topic. Like you'll hear you'll hear the different dialogues and find your way to be pulled, but not a regular publication reader. Right. And it's okay. Right. Okay. Well, that is, this is amazing, by the way. This was great. Like definitely top five, top five favorites. <laughs> Let's go sure. top five. Yes. I had a great time here. For this sure. Yes. We always end with um, our guests 
saying like what brings them peace of mind, whether it can be a quick tidbit or it could be like what's for your whole life, what's been bringing peace of mind, but that's how we normally end the show. Fireflies. By the song? Firefly by okay. Wow. Okay. Like you just play just, it. It's just like. I, I will turn off all the lights. I don't care if it's daytime, nighttime, close the windows. And when I hear Firefly by Ed Sheeran, it, it'll it just calm me down. It, it Like the lyrics also kind of relate to how I move. So he goes like, there's a firefly loose tonight. Got to catch it before we burn this place down. And the light, if I don't feel so right, but the world looks better through your eyes. And it's just this like lullaby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about love. It's about being held tight. But to me, it just reminds me of like the fires of everything going on. And it's like, let's just catch it. Let's yes. Just- and even like your light, when I hear that, I think about your own light. On, yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah. And I the world it. looks the world looks better through your eyes. It's like you have yeah. you have a perspective that is insanely valuable, that is uniquely yours, that should be harnessed and protected. So that is my peace of mind. It just, I love fire, it. Firefly makes me feel nice and protected. I love it. My heart feels warm just by just that explanation. So I'm like, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it'll be out in the next two weeks. I want to say I'll send you all the information, and everything like that. But thank you. I had a, a great time. Hope you have a good day. Thanks for taking. We've been on here for like an hour and 30 minutes. Thank you for your time. You got it, Penny. Yes. I'm going to definitely tell Met Met. Like, I'm going to call him right after this. Yes. Yes. Tell him I said in like Goku arms. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's my soul communication to him. I love, I love. Okay. Okay. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.